I am the Lord of Dark Beers. I require the solace of the porters and the dark of stouts. Hefeweizen is my destroyer. All this shall change. Tonight, the sun sets forever. There shall never be another pale ale. For tonight, we shall discuss the Tim Curry-led legend. Pops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Like the final chapter of a Tolkien epic, I, Captain Cash, have returned to bring you the penultimate installment of our Hops and Fantasy Flops. I am proud to be back on Hops and Box Office Flops, the very pod you are listening to tonight. We are going to be delving into Ridley Scott's fever dream, Legend. Also with me are my cadre of Forest Spirits, the Thunderous Wizard, and Mary McCheese. Yay, yay! We are questing to defeat the greatest evil in all the land, Chumpzilla, the Lord of Chumpiness. Yeah, um, I'm kind of surprised that the Sugar Plum Fairy showed up in this movie, but uh, whatever, it was okay. Listen, the power couple of the Lord of Darkness and the Sugar Plum Fairy would wreck literally everyone in this fantasy hops flops. I mean, I guess like Sugar Plum Fairy, Deranged Tinkerbell, whatever. Same thing. Mm -hmm. And... Being held in his dark tower of chumpiness is our guest host, the comely and illustrious Zoot. Okay, comely and illustrious. I'll take it. I would. I can give you several other adjectives. Uh, no, no, those are that's great. <laughs> Go no, with that. that. That works for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is your returning pod. You were on this yeah. pod almost a year ago for Orca. So welcome back, sir. Man, you guys pick some good ones for me, don't you? We really try our best to make our guests feel welcome as possible, <laughs> just like the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> Please eat, drink. And I'm here to have to talk with you. <laughs> uh, so we are brought to you by Wobam Entertainment, your place for the latest in nerd news. Check us out over at wobamentertainment.com. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like to hear us do next. Chumzilla, where can the listener find you? You can find me waddling in the swamps of darkness with Blix on Twitter at Chumzilla8. I honestly would have thought Meg Mucklebones was more your style. No, me and Blix, man, we're tight. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mayor, Mayor McCheese, where can you be found? When I'm not trying to figure out how much dust and insects occurs on this world, I am at HBOF McCheese. Dust and what now? Insects. Because every scene you see with Tom Cruise, especially in the first hour, is just laden with over rays of sunshine and just shit in the air. Like they're on a planet filled with moths and dust and God knows what. Glitter. Lots and lots of glitter. And bubbles. What, bubbles. We're, what we're trying to say, bubbles. it's a, uh, a fantasy strip club. It's really what yeah, it is. Yeah, pretty much. 
This is yeah. something. This is a lot. Calling of epiphany to the main stage. Epiphany to the main stage. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I will. It. I will go to any strip club that, at the same point in time, they call epiphany. They call Tim Curry in the devil suit to just stand behind her. I'll be like, all right, I'm watching this just to see what he happens. He is definitely the DJ. Oh, Listen, oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. You're right. He's definitely the strip club. He's the hell strip club DJ. There yes. is there is very few events you can convince me not to go to if the Tim Curry devil is featured prominently. All right. And we're getting sidetracked here, but I want to roll it back to Comic-Con three years ago. If we were dancing with the devil and it was Tim Curry's devil, we're all dancing, right? Oh, obviously. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah definitely. All right. Focusing over to the guest host, Zoot, where can you be found online? Uh, my fantasy land is over at Instagram, uh, Jeff Zoot Visuals, J-E-F-F-Z-O-E-T Visuals. Excellent. As always, you can find the Thunderous Wizard over at Writer TLK, and I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Now, the beer for tonight is one of my favorite and thematically appropriate. Tonight, we're going to be drinking Sierra Nevada's Narwhal, named for the whale with the unicorn-like single horn protruding from its head, Narwhal is an imperial stout that is black as midnight, black as pitch, blacker than the foulest witch. And this monster of a beer will have you calling for daddy at 11.5 ABV. Also, just as a side note, I know that the narwhal, it's not a horn, it's a tooth, it's a whole other thing. Either way, the beer is delicious. Let's have a taste. And that is powerful. Um, I really like this beer. Um, it's one of my favorite beers and I can give this a one movie because if I, if I try to drink this for more than one film, it will literally kill me. I, th- I feel like you're phoning it in. I think you can get two movies. I listen. Oh, yeah. If I get, if I got two movies out of this, I'm going to wake up the next day wishing I was dead. No, but I feel like you can get two movies while dreaming your next cosplay. And then you have to call Jeff and then you guys come up with a great photo shoot and then we get something sweet. Oh, so he knows who I am. <laughs> yeah, you want to um, you, you want to do like a darkness shoot? I, I oh, can do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be lovely. Captain Cash, start 3D printing those Tim Curry horns. Good right God. Good. I, I have no, like, I I love the look of this film. I have no idea how they pulled that off. But yeah, let's I, talk. How fucking heavy is that headdress? Yeah. No kidding. Extremely, extremely. I just want to say one thing about this movie. Not many people have seen it. Uh, certainly not many people saw it when it was released, but I am pretty sure that everyone has seen the image of Tim Curry in that darkness makeup. That is just, it's iconic in a way that it's just like ubiquitous. Everybody's seen it, but not many people probably know where it actually came from. That was like six hours worth of makeup a day. Jesus Christ. So he apparently got so (laughs) frustrated. Yeah. Apparently he got so frustrated wearing it. At one point, he ripped it all off too fast. It tore skin off, and they had to delay shooting for a week while he healed up before they could reapply it. Yeah, that was the thing that happened. The devil's mm-hmm. in the details there, huh? But yeah, uh, and, and, I, and I feel like, is it just me, or did Jack Black do something similar for a Tenacious D album? Tribute. Right? Is that- tribute. Yeah. Tribute oh, yeah, has, 100%. Tribute has the same exact uh, devil name. Yeah. 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 And I, and I saw Be that, you like, angels? <laughs> And I recognized it. I'm like, where's that from? Because I had not seen Legend before. But I'm like, I know that that's that's not new. I've seen that. That's from I would, something. I would have gone in the other direction and just kept it on and like gone to a local coffee shop and tried to order something in 1986 just to see everyone 
completely shit their pants. Bring Let's just be honest. Americano. <laughs> there is a certain segment of the population, like SM clubs and like goth chicks, that you just keep that thing on and you're probably just getting laid continuously until you take it off. Like, no, I'm sorry. Clear. Do you not realize it's Tim Curry? Tim Curry is constantly getting laid. He can't, like, he yeah, literally I, is, I whoa, mean, whoa, listen, everyone, <laughs> literally everyone. I don't, I don't think. Back. I'm I, tired. I need like my eight hours. <laughs> we'll see you back again at six at six a.m. Yeah, I don't think we need to chime in on how much Tim Curry cleans up. <laughs> well, I'm just saying maybe he had to like double book a few appointments during that period. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fair. All right. So jumping back to the movie, this was directed by legendary in his own right, Ridley Scott, and was released in December of 85 in the UK, but US audiences had to wait until April of 86. The movie stars Tim Curry as the enormous horned Lord of Darkness, makeup by Rob Bowden of The Thing, Robocop, Total Recall, Seven, and Fight Club fame. Dude is a legend. Also, uh, Tom Cruise is the hero in this as Jack O'Green. Uh, basically Peter Pan with a conspicuous lack of pants. Yeah. And let's be uh, real clear here. So if you're Ridley Scott, you've just done Alien, Blade Runner, and now Legend. And if you are Tom Cruise, you've just done, I think, Risky Business? Risky Business, and there was one other one. And then All the Right Moves, wasn't that before this? Yeah, that's right. This is... This is basically it goes risky business legend Top Gun with Tony Scott, Ridley's brother. It's crazy. This I, was so close to Top Gun. He looks so much yeah. younger in this. And, and this is such a big like miss for Tom Cruise. Like honestly, I don't know if this will come up later, but this would have probably tanked a lesser actor's career. But Tom Cruise was lucky because he went risky business legend. Then Top Gun, and then basically nobody remembers Legend, so it's just basically Top Gun. Yeah, so that's that's it's the reason this is Top Gun. That's it. Yeah. Like, we don't that, talk about Legend. That's the reason it didn't tank his career. No one saw this thing. <laughs> if you were ever wondering why Ridley Scott didn't get final cut on Blade Runner, and then we got like sixteen different cuts, watch Legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Oh. There's instincts that had to be curved in Legend. <laughs> Is it fair to say, Thunderous Wizard, that maybe Alien went to his head? I just thought did, know he, what did he, he lose? Really, Scott have an ego? So. No way. Did he, yeah. did nah, he lose his way no. there for a bit? I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, this is sort of a Ridley Scott thing, though. There's a bunch of movies he's made that are just that the theatrical cuts are, are impossible to watch, and the director's cuts are sort of better, but still a mess. So. I mean, I Kingdom of Heaven, the, the director's cut is really, really good and the theatrical cut is terrible. Yeah, but focusing yeah. it back to the actors yeah. here, Mia Sarah of Ferris Bueller fame is on hand as Princess Lily, the uh, other of the breeding pair that are not, I guess, fantastical horses. And uh, this is her feature film debut. Which, good for her that nobody saw this. Yeah. Honeythorn Gump is an elf and Guardian of the Forest, who in body is played by David Bennett, but is voiced by Alice Platon, who is also the voice and body of the goblin Blix, the leader of the darkness's goblin minions. 
Uh, also, welcome back to the pod, Billy Barty, as one of the dwarves called Screwball. Um, and final note, Robert Picardo of uh, Star Trek Voyager fame gives a really memorable turn as Meg Mucklebones, who is on screen for like less than a minute. Depending on the cut. I mean, yeah. we haven't even gotten into the start of the plot yet, but this is essentially what happens when you guys have just way too much free drug use, right? Like I these, mean, just the names. I guess. No, no, no. I. This is what happens when you get yeah, drug use. That's fair. This is what <laughs> happens when you give nerds on who really like D&D just like a lot of cocaine. The protagonist's name is Jack. Like, were they out of drugs by that point? Like, shit, what do we call the guy with no pants? No, but Jack. They, because all of the crazy coked up D&D people don't know what to name a normal person. They're like, oh, we can't name him like Higginbotham. We got to go I, with something uh, simple. What's a simple name? Uh, Jack. It's the Can everyman I, name. It's fine. Yeah, That's what every man is called. Jack Everyman. It, it's the it's the generic, uh, uh, you know, not not so much fantasy here, but like you know, fairy tale hero, Jack and the Beanstalk. It's just something simple. I'm assuming Ridley Scott was thinking like the audience can relate to this. Yeah, but no, it's just really stupid. Um, but the audience doesn't wear pants. No one wears pants. The only relatable. Reason- the only reason that, that Nia Sarah's not named Jill is because they finally realize, like, oh, wait, we can't go that far. It can't be Jack and Jill. That's too obvious. It has to be Jack and Lily close enough. Versus- Diane. <laughs> Jack and wait, Diane. Her, I thought her name was Diane. It's not Diane. I thought it was Jack. Oh, what, Jack whatever. Wait, I, I'm just really Little surprised. That, that nobody- and Diane. <laughs> I'm just surprised that the darkness didn't have a henchman that was just in overalls with a mustache and a crew cut, like in Krull. Like that, I, I really expect there just to be some completely out of place like character in this. So I'll give Ridley Scott some credit. At least he kept the whole thing fantasy based and somewhat odd the entire time. Well, except for 80s Frankie Munoz, which is what I'm going to refer to Gump as for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. You know what? That's you, you fair. Mean, you mean Pip Dang. the Troll? No, right. the, boy, the boy in his britches. <laughs> the, the one boy they gave pants, but no shirt. Even in the, in the winter. Oh, no, no. You know what he may really think of, though? Shakespeare, Puck. Puck from A Midsummer's Night Dream, right? That's what I, that is, right? That's yes, Puck, right? I do believe Gump is very much an XP of Puck. Yeah, anyway, I, all right, sorry. No, that's fine. I do want to say, though, that Gump is a really good example of how terribly ADR this whole thing is. Because, <laughs> like, uh, so apparently on the set, everything was just too loud because it was so large. And literally, they released real birds into the set that just lived there for a little while. So every every line in this is someone who has gone into a sound booth and just kind of read their lines again. And it is bad. It is, yeah. it is yeah. real bad and distracting. Well, and, and they did some weird treatments and like you know, FX work on like Blix and, and the, the other like troll goblin people that it just doesn't sound realistic at all. Yeah. It just but, sounds flat. Like it's like, you can clearly tell this has been overdubbed. This is not like organic sound coming from these characters. It's weird. Ultimately, though, the film was made for $24.5 million, but only pulled in $23.5. And and it fared no better with critics. And it's at a dismal 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
IMDb calls this thing, a young man must stop the Lord of Darkness from destroying daylight and marrying the woman he loves. Which, I mean, not great IMDb, but let's hear what the rest of your one-sentence descriptions are. Let's start with our guest, the Zoot. One-sentence description. Uh, okay. Uh, hopefully you saw this movie young, because nostalgia is the only thing that will keep you going through it. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. A <laughs> hell of a drug. All right, let's take it to the Thunderous Wizard. Uh, let's see. Tangerine Dream. More like Tangerine Nightmare. hey All right, over to Mary McCheese. Finally, someone utilized Tom Hardy's talents to accurately express both the stories of the Cray Brothers. Wait, uh, not, not, not that legend. The 85. Oh. Or 86. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Oh, that legend. The uh, other Tom. Uh, I guess it's, I'll describe it as the only movie that's more boring than Kroll, but I guess Tim Curry does well as usual. That's, that's something. Tim Curry does do well. You got to give it that. Chumzilla, what's your word? What if Ridley Scott directed one of those shitty live action Disney movies based on the legend of Zelda? That's actually, that's pretty accurate. I, I will give you that. Uh, my whole thought on this in one sentence is, a fantasy fever dream that asks the question, what if Tim Curry was half as evil and sexy as he is in real life? I mean, think about it, right? I thought right? it was more than half in this. No, 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 no. The, a full-on realized Tim Curry will out-sexy and evil the Lord of Darkness every day of the week. Uh, I, I mean, I think you're playing to a specific audience with this movie because there's probably a good segment, let's say 20% of the population that sees Tim Curry dressed up like the Lord of Darkness and just absolutely creams jeans. Yeah, yeah. listen, I respect that, but also understand that I have seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show and so did Ridley Scott. And Ridley Scott was like, hey, can you do that again? But like, take... Take 30% off the sexy. I'm not sure that was the case, but I've seen Congo. And to your point, <laughs> Captain Cash, we did not see the darkness eat any sesame cakes in this movie. So that probably does take the sexiness down just a, a notch or two. I'm so no, mad no, I missed he, the Congo pod. He, uh, he, he was doing it off screen. Yeah, he, does, he fair, doesn't fair. eat much of anything in this movie, but he does throw a lot of food in anger. <laughs> Wouldn't you? It's true. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the plot of this thing because it's going to be fun. Depending on whether you're watching the theatrical cut or not, uh, the film opens with a text crawl that explains the rules of the universe. Namely, unicorns are responsible for the light in this world. They are attracted to the innocent and the Lord of Darkness wants to kill them so he can bring about an eternal night. I, I have to stop and you And roll credits. Yeah. I have to, I have to stop you now because... Mrs. McCheese was in the room when this happened, and I look at her and I go, "You have got to be fucking kidding me! It's a unicorn movie. I just watched several Barbie unicorn movies over the weekend with my daughters, and now I have to watch a unicorn movie for this goddamn podcast." Wait, you've never seen this movie before? No, this is the first time I've seen this movie. I didn't realize it was unicorn based and had a goofy face Tom Cruise in it. I was okay <laughs> with the Tim Curry part. I was not okay with the rest of this movie. To be fair, every every movie with Tom Cruise is a goofy-faced Tom Cruise And I movie. did not see the unicorns part coming, and they literally put it into the Star Wars scroll, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> unicorns. Shit. So who, who has not seen this before for this? Is that is that coming later? Or, oh, you guys, wow. 
Just me and Chumpy. Me. I've never seen it. Still, two two out of five for a legend for people that were born around 1980 is pretty impressive. Post-text crawl, the thing opens on the Lord of Darkness, who is now shrouded and kind of looks blue, but has glowing fingernails and eyes, uh, where he sends his goblins led by Blix to kill the unicorns. Because again, as they will continually restate throughout this film, if you kill the unicorns, it makes the sun stop rising. Because sure, why not? Blix and his crew follow the impetuous Princess Lily as she visits her friends in the forest uh, who are peasants, but tell her to stop visiting her because she's a proper lady. They don't come up again. Don't worry about it. But Lily's really there to see Jack, uh, played by Tom Cruise, as we have previously established. And Tom blindfolds Lily and takes her to see the unicorns. Lily attempts to touch a unicorn, which we later learn is some grave sin, but we are not told at this point. Lily just wants to pet the pretty horsey. And Jack does not warn her at all. Yep. They're no, just, no doesn't, he does. He gives her kind of like a, hey, don't do that, but not. Well, as she's really, approaching it, that's something yeah. that should, probably should have been discussed prior to even getting to that area. Here's the yeah. rules on unicorns. Yeah. It's more Ooh. like, I wouldn't do that if I was you. It's not a very strong warning. Two points about this. One, the unicorns don't seem particularly hard to find. Uh, <laughs> they I, they are just, literally just in the forest. They're just somewhere. running in the forest. So and then they're just hanging the out with people the rest of the movie. It's they're literally right around the corner. They're about as simple as the fire horses from Curl. And if, they just come to where you yeah, want to be. If you're at mm. all curious as to the just horrifically strange and sort of harrowing faces Tom Cruise is going to make throughout the <laughs> remainder of this film. This wow. scene really gives you a good idea because he's doing some things here that I can only assume Jeffrey Dahmer did when he opened up his fridge to a fresh head. Like, that's, uh, that's the yeah, faces wow. he's making. Yeah, a couple he's of chump choices. He's making yeah. some choices. Oh yeah, a couple of chumpzilla notes here. Yes, uh, Tom Cruise appears to be deranged uh in every close-up shot and two how bad was that little like flip thing he does you get right in her he, face he flips he flips right in front of her but like they kind of like back away from it it's like it's wire work i think but they didn't want to bother with the wires and posts so they just kind of like crop the shot so you just see like half of him like tumble into the, the frame and then peekaboo i'm right here and he looks like jack nicholson is the joker like <laughs> It's uh, it's 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 a choice. It's a choice. Then doesn't he do one of his uh creepy pickup lines throughout the movie right there too? Like oh oh yeah, he does. Uh, he's got some really bad lines like that are supposed to be pickup lines, but they're just really creepy. Yeah, he says something about her being sweet or smelling nice or something. It's, yeah, it's it's it's, not it's really bad. It's super it's, super it, cringy. It's un- it's uncomfortable at best. Yeah. I believe yeah. the kids today would call it cringe. I They would call it chuggy. No one uses cringe anymore. Oh, man. I'm, see, that's how old I Dang am. It. Anyway, the point is, Lily, in touching the one unicorn, is distracting enough that the goblins can fire a, a poison dart into that unicorn, uh, which goes completely unnoticed by either Lily or Jack, and they run off. Hold on, Chumpzilla question here. 
So was her touching the unicorn bad, or is it just the poison dart that is bad, or is it both? It's the touching the unicorn that allows the goblins to shoot the poison dart by distracting the unicorn so it gets hit with the dart. But the gump said, you let a mortal touch the unicorn? That's yeah. forbidden. I don't, I, mean, I, don't know what the so, con- I don't know what the punishment for that is. That doesn't what's do the connection? Yeah, what's the connection there? By her touching it, did that make it dart vulnerable? Uh, or You're overthinking this movie. Okay, I'll stop now. She just distracted yeah. him. There's nothing to this plot other than touching unicorns bad darkness guy with horns save me yeah, but i would save horse too i wouldn't and... dig too deep on this at all fair enough yeah. fair enough fair enough yeah okay. i mean the key thing for this movie audience is is that this is a fairy tale fever dream stuff happens because that's how it's supposed to happen doesn't need to make sense that's why it happens that's just how it happens so it happens that way so mm-hmm. touching the unicorn was bad. It got shot with a dart. Also bad. Also bad. Okay. That not good. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't nope. really clarify though. Afterwards, like when they cut the horn off, like uh, did that kill the unicorn or not? At first, you like thought that thing was gone, and then it wasn't. There's, yeah, no, so- there's no real explanation, and then they t- they come back to it later in the movie when there's some resolution. But like you're gonna trank the unicorn? Not really though. It runs away. Like. For a while. Yeah. Here's the thing about the unicorns. When the horn is off, essentially, uh, Gwildor's evil friend becomes Lord <laughs> Voldemort. So what good are the horns on the unicorns who appear to have no powers whatsoever? I don't understand. I, Why aren't they casting? They, like, they bring the light. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I need Their some whole thing is spells. light bringing. I need He's like hold a, up by the unicorn spell. Like a Patronum or something. But prior to unicorn horn severing, which we'll later learn is called an alicorn, don't know mm-hmm. if there's any other sense to that, Lily sets a challenge for Jack that she is a lady, so she can decide to set a challenge for anyone who would marry her. And she says, anyone who retrieves the ring that I throw in this pond, I will marry. So naturally, Jack being Jack, immediately jumps in the water, tries to snatch the ring, all the while, the goblins then cut off the unicorn's alicorn, which immediately turns everything to a dark winter. And in, instead of water, Jack is now facing like, what do you think, six six inches of ice? Six to four inches of ice? Depends on the scene, yeah. When he breaks through, the, that fake ice is definitely at least six inches thick. It's, yep. it's enough ice that he and Lily would both certainly die while traversing the wilderness, especially lack of pants. But whatever don't think about it yeah don't listen sometimes you don't need pants and those times are the 80s you just don't need pants risky business the 80s were exactly especially for tom cruise in any case with the apocalyptic winter having descended on everything uh lily runs back to the cottage and she hears all the (laughs) goblins talk about them using the unicorn's horn for whatever evil and that it's partly her fault that that happened why they even stop in that cabin they just kind of ran to the cabin told us plot details and then ran back the other same way they came from see i I, I just have to admit this whole plot setup reminds me a bit of the opening of monty python and the the holy grail Uh, because you can't 
expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Like she just throws that ring into the water and all of a sudden it's like, now that's a, a thing. So I, it's I, fantasy rules. They said that's what was the rules were. And yeah, now we have just, to listen to those rules, I guess. You know, I mean, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just saying supreme executive power comes from a mandate of the people. Not a ring in a lake. Well, I'm just telling you, when you're Tom Cruise's Jack and you're trying to hide your boner with no pants on for an entire movie, you got to do what you got to do to get that power. <laughs> if that means diving in the cold water to get rid of your boner, so no, be it. I was in the pool! <laughs> it's fairly simple. You just ring up Colwyn and get them fancy pants. Uh, you upsuck that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, Colin was uh, went from six to midnight almost the entire movie, but you could never know it because of how how tight the pants were. You got some spandy pants, son. So, so little known fact: the glaive also comes with a pair of very comfortable yet supportive compression pants. You 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 want the cod piece? That's real important. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're not going to wear pants. In any case, Lily will follow the goblins to a rendezvous with darkness who tells him that the world cannot be cast into eternal night as long as there is at least one surviving unicorn. So they oh. have to go get that one other unicorn and one the of the goblins. They have yes. to get the mayor. And then the fire, one of the goblins. Regular unicorn mayor. Who, unicorn mayor. Who is responsible for the sun. So arguably fire mayor don't don't crawl this don't crawl this mm. but one of the goblins grabs the unicorn horn and tries to use it against the darkness uh only to just immediately be taken down by what i guess is the mummy how cool sure. is the creature design on that goblin though i love that giant helmet it's yeah. stupid yeah. it's straight up guar like yeah that's it, a guar character it, it's awesome until you realize he's just not he's not a goblin and he just that, has one hooved hand yeah it, it's a it's not a hooved hand it's a chicken hand yeah and we don't <laughs> we don't learn that, that until later but so my, he's basically baby hellboy yeah so my, my bigger concern is not any of what you have brought up it's that when the mummy grabs this what we think is a goblin and jumps into a hole with him to make him disappear he shouts Adios, amigos. <laughs> he does. I did not catch that, but I enjoyed he does. it thoroughly now. Wait, he hundred percent does. Was that in the director's cut too? Yes. Adios, amigos. I, I must have just blacked out so much of what was happening from <laughs> no, my I mind. I forgot about that until I, I, I couldn't believe game. what I was seeing, so I must have missed it too. And you I think he's not... like, I don't know, going to like a pit, not just a jail cell later? I don't know. This is going to be the first time. I have another 40 hours on my Amazon rental, and I might actually rewatch some of this crap movie. Yeah. Go, go back to that scene because it's so bizarre. I, don't, amigos. I was just joking around. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, I, so this fantasy world also includes fantasy Spain, which I guess is. Okay. You're using a lot of words here to say drugs, 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 drugs. Fair. I'd like, drugs, I, I'd like to drugs, revise drugs. my one sentence uh, description. <laughs> this is the movie that made Ridley Scott give up drugs. Yeah. No. I, he's like, that was enough. No, no. Enough. I, I need to sober up. Yeah. Yeah. No, Ridley, that makes sense. So Jack, now accompanied by a 
ton of forest spirits, including the Honeythorn Gump, which again, I cannot stress how bad the ADR is here. It makes so bad. it makes that character really uncomfortable to watch. So he's clearly played by like a 12-year-old actor, but he's the, the, the actor was 18 at the time of filming. Really? Good yes, lord. David, David Bennett was 18, and I assume they just shaved his entire body. <laughs> I, it is really, really weird. I revised my statement. He he appears to be played by a 12-year-old, but he's clearly voiced by a middle-aged voice actor. Yes. It is very uncomfortable to watch. He appears to be in the middle of puberty, if you will. In the middle, like Malcolm in the middle. A good that, attempt. Yeah, no, that 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 was a bit of a stretch. I, I appreciate you took us on that yeah. walk. I failed that attempt, made me uncomfortable. That made me uncomfortable. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> they they are actually the forest spirits agree to help Jack. They find the mare unicorn. Jack cries and apologizes, and the the unicorn uncomfortably cries and apologizes. Yeah, through telekinesis, I guess. Let's Jack know, cause sure, that if they reunite the the stallion unicorn with its alicorn, that it will come back to life and things will be okay. I actually so. think this is how Scientology works. <laughs> it will no longer be an undead unicorn. Just just if, plug the plug the Thetans in. If Tom Cruise gets close, if he gets his head close enough to certain animals, he can figure out how to cure a lot of different things. And Zeno approves. Yeah. Uh, so they leave one of the dwarves to guard the body uh, and the the mare, unicorn, uh, and they they all go to go find weapons for the big fight that they've got to do. Um, the goblins basically immediately show up and kidnap Lily and the unicorn who are pretty much in the vicinity. Hey, Jack and his group. You're skipping over the whole frying pan, you know, block frying pan. Yeah. With the the sparks. Why? Yeah. The dwarf they left behind drugs blocks. (laughs) So, so many arrow shots with a frying pan, which when he blocks them, they spark because reasons. And he gets shot in the head, Girl. hat. He gets shot in the hat, and where he was keeping wine pours down his face, and it looks like blood. But good news, it was just wine. But that's, Even he thinks he died. Yeah. I was yeah. shot in the brain pan. Why does a dwarf know what the fuck a brain is? Or a I'm brain not, pan. I'm not going to lie. I was, again, doing the dishes <laughs> during this whole part of the movie. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, uh, to your defense, McCheese, this part of the movie made me want to consider doing dishes. I'm like, I should probably go do something better with my time right now because this is awful. I mean, I was carrying around my iPad. I was carrying around my iPad and my headphones on doing dishes and cooking dinner while my kids yelled at me. And I'm like, you don't want to watch this. It's so bad. <laughs> go watch Luca. <laughs> I, I, yeah, this is just... Silencio uh... Jack! All right, so mm. two of you have never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Like, who actually watched it in the 80s? I did. Okay, Kat. Yeah. Oh, okay, three of us all. I, yeah, I, got, this, I got this on VHS. Considering I was born in 1984, not me. <laughs> I, I remember this quite fondly, sort of like Krull. Uh, Krull's, to me, is much more entertaining than this. 
Again, Kroll, way more Kroll ambitious. has an actual story. Yeah, there's just nothing to this movie. It's just like a big slog. It's not even a, like it's not even like a, a like a an adventure that spans a lot of different areas. It's definitely one soundstage with a bubble machine, a glitter machine, and a bog. Oh, and then the, the underground layer that they take like a slide to. It's, yeah, so here that sounds like a great birthday party, but a very <laughs> yes. boring movie. Holy shit. But uh, I mean, we're gonna get there because the Th- end Thunderous is why Wizard. you watch this movie. So I think I know how we're gonna make a million dollars. Yeah. Who Who wants to have a birthday party at Legend? Right. Is me and Sarah gonna be there? Maybe you're gonna traumatize some kids, but maybe it's gonna be a great time. We're, we're, we're gonna open a pool bar in Vegas, literally called Legend, that is based off this movie. It's gonna be a shit little fog, glitter, and bubble machines, and one yeah. gigantic fucking devil playing techno music the entire time. And dance, and dance with the with devil. The devil. <laughs> Pick up your weapons and fight. Right, you all can send me a couple million dollars. Sex, we'll call this drugs, and house. Sex, drugs, and house. All right. Oh, okay. So now, completely armed with weapons and sword, he now has the sword of omens and Aquaman's armor. Yep, that's um, accurate. It's basically the master sword, a shimmering tunic, and uh, he does have the mirror shield. You guys got to stop ripping out Legend of Zelda with this movie. This oh, yeah, movie he... came out a full year before Legend of Zelda. It clearly yeah. inspired later Zeldas. I'm just going to say that. The mirror mm, thing is like a maybe. big deal with the light. Yeah, the mirror thing kind of rips off Clash of the Titans. Not going to lie. The, uh, yeah. the charging uh, Tim Curry, very Twilight Princess-esque. They take their new weapons uh, to the... They're, they're going to the castle to rescue Lily and the unicorn only to walk through a swamp where they are accosted by Meg Mucklebones, who they immediately decapitate without any additional trouble. It's, I have no idea why any of that's in this movie. But it's here. The theatrical cut and the, that, and the director's cut, there's much more to it. Yes, there is. And Sam Raimi had to watch that multiple times. That definitely gave me uh army of darkness vibes yeah definitely some ramy vibes in that one ramy vibes and, and it was it, the director's cut is extended and, and it's I, I enjoyed it it was a little weird but i was like okay this is kind of cool it's different than the rest of the movie but that was also an awesome green goblin costume just saying maybe the best green goblin costume we've ever gotten yeah they do ultimately reach the castle where the jack's group just falls into an underground prison cell like it's 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 very comical where they just they stand on a rock and whoop oh no we all saturday, fell saturday morning cartoon vibes it was just uh another one of those random holes in the ground like the mummy jumped through uh you know with mr yep. adios amigos and they all apparently all holes in, on the mm-hmm. level go down to cells in the ground all <laughs> holes lead to darkness my friend Oh. Just to go back to crawl here, I, I is a kid What's growing with the up. Crawl, it's all crawl. That was last week. I know um, crawl all the I, time. I'm just saying. Still on I the thought, mind. I thought that uh, quicksand and like pit traps would be a much bigger deal as an adult. I just turns out they're not. No. But in these movies, they are. So that reinforced the stereotype. How, how that many, my thoughts it, as a child. It sort of depends on your kind of how many, your line of work. How many pit traps have you come across? Like that's like an actual thing. Like <laughs> five to six. 
Well, no, I'm just saying, like in cartoons and this some week. of these movies growing up, it's like that was a constant theme. There's pit traps and quicksand. I and feel I'm like, like you carried man, a lot. I feel like you carried this, a lot of unfounded fear into adulthood yeah, from your well, time. Exactly. I was like, well, that must be what the real world's like. So I better get ready for this because it should be pit traps and quicksand. But uh, you know, I've made it through high school, college, and the beginnings of a career, and somewhat in the middle age. And well, frankly, it's not come up yet. So I feel a bit bamboozled. I, I mean, I, I think honestly, your problem is you chose the wrong line of work. You know what? If I was an archaeologist like Indiana Jones, comes would a lot. probably be different. You're right. I do want to say there is a part right here and a part at the beginning where this is where my kids were trying to lean over and look at the iPad because I had some other show on for them. And, and they have like a um, that's not Saul. What's the it's hostile. Like there is a scene where there's a dude, he's not fully cutting bodies up, but he's got a giant machete and he's supposedly hacking bodies apart. And I was like, oh, this is dark. This is fairly dark for the devil. And I was like, it makes sense, but I didn't see it going that dark that fast. Don't worry. The next it, scene, they got bubbles. So it's all good. It's, well, I mean, it's literally need, in the first some, two minutes of the film. Yeah. Death and dismemberment right off the gate. And then unicorns is that, where that, that scene was at the beginning <laughs> of the theatrical cut right yeah okay, yeah, that was, yeah i watched they the saved it for much good. later in the uh extended mm -hmm. and the theatrical cut mm -hmm. we're like two minutes in where my kids are leaning over trying to see and there's just that like we're in hell's kitchen and there's a dead body and like they're not actually no, no, showing no. it they're not dead they're completely <laughs> alive as they're hacking he's got a machete yeah. and he's just whacking at it yeah, no, that yeah, that comes in a little morbid. The, the last third of the movie and the director's cut, and it's in that like orangish dungeon scene, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any case, the pitfall completely captures the entire party. They fall into a jail cell where they bump into the goblin from earlier, who, as we mentioned, takes off the the really actually very cool looking helmet. Yes, and it turns yes. out he is just a, a wayward elf, a wayward forest spirit. The fairy that they are traveling with offers to retrieve the keys, but only if she receives a kiss from Jack. Weird. Uh, and, not, and not just like a, a peck on the cheek, like a full-on, like, kiss me. And, and, and this, is that her name? Una Luna, is her name. Lumi? Yes. Luna. Luna. Luna or Luna? I thought it was Luna, like the moon. It, Luna? Una. No, Una. O-O-N-A. Yeah, basically, uh, listeners, this is like uh, deranged Tinkerbell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Deranged Tinkerbell with Peter Pan because no pants. Again, he doesn't wear pants at all. Neither does the Winnie armor. the Pooh or Donald Duck. Oh, bother. Yeah. So Tom Cruise declines to actually kiss her. She gets angry about it, but then ultimately realizes what's at stake and goes and gets the keys anyway it is a really weird pause for no reason in this film that is not set up or resolved at all but in this scene as a continuing theme kind of just it's just what happens next it yep. makes yeah no i think they need some more screen sense. time at that point i don't know That's i pointless. don't no yeah, it, sense the, the best thing I can say is that it's pure, pure nightly sugar plum fairy madness. And then it just moves on. Whatever you do, do not kiss the sugar plum fairy on the mouth. That's just a bad plan. She eats her own hair. So having fallen in love with Lily because of her innocence, we now get 
the full-on entrance of Tim Curry's darkness, and this movie gets a lot better for the back 30 minutes of a 90-minute film. I, I will say, as a first-time viewer, mm-hmm. this is where I started to very much enjoy this, and maybe this is like why people have actual likeness for this movie where they actually enjoy it more than once everything before this horrible throw it away everything from here on out with tim curry fantastic i love it yeah tim curry Curry does it yeah god you cannot saves this movie hard well you cannot beat tim curry in any role he ever plays in like he is in the most aggressive devil costume makeup you will ever see. And it's just and he's, and he's moving, nailing it. Yep. He, he emotes through literally eight hours of makeup better than most actors emote just showing up on set. I was watching that. Like how much shit did they put on him? Cause you do not know it's Tim. Like if you don't know it's Tim Curry, you don't know who Tim Curry is. You do not realize that's him unless like, you understand I, you kind of hear it in the voice well no if you know who he is like yeah you get it but like if you don't know who he is you just be like oh that's a really good devil like he just fucking like and i don't know how he manages to make facial expressions through that much shit no you're absolutely right mccheese he is effectively unrecognizable because there is an enormous amount of prosthesis on his face for that character and that's the two things that really make this part of the movie. And you're hundred percent right. The movie picks up when, when the darkness shows up because one it's Tim Curry and he delivers like just the standard over the top theatric performance, which is perfect for a villain character like this, who's supposed to be over the top and bigger than life. And also that character design, like the makeup's great. I don't want to downplay that at all, but just the, the, the overall character design is fantastic. It's iconic. Like I said at the opening of the pod, people know that Tim Curry devil darkness image. They might not know this movie, but they know that character design. It's it's iconic. I read something online that um, it says a lot about you by where you recognize Tim Curry from. So do you guys have a movie that you associate with Tim Curry? I will go first. Stephen okay. King's it. Stephen King's it. For me, legend. Because I, I watched this movie in the 80s and... I recognize that voice whenever I watch him in something like Home Alone 2 as, you know, working in a hotel. I'm like, isn't that the devil? That's that guy. Yeah. yeah. Tim Zilla? So, Where, where's your Tim Curry? Oh, my, my Tim Curry? Uh, sadly, it is also uh, uh, it. All right. Yeah. Thunderous Wizard, where's your Tim Curry? It's a legend. 100%. See, my neighbor so, asked that, and he said Home Alone 2, and I'm like, uh, did, about you. About you. Yeah, you got to move. You got to move. Yeah, you didn't list that though in the in like the the details of the house because nobody would buy a house if they said if the neighbor only recognized Tim Curry from Home Two. Small asterisk by mine though. It mm-hmm. and Clue. Those are the two movies that I I, I fully recognized Tim Curry from. All right. I'd forgotten he was in Home Alone too. Frankly, that is wiped out of my memory because it probably not anymore. Trump. Now, Cash, yeah. you got to go so I can follow. I, I have mm-hmm. this follow up question. I need answered. You got to. All right. Where you recognize right, so, it from, Cash? So listen, that whole era sort of blends together for me because the darkness, Hook from the Peter Pan cartoon show, The Three Musketeers, and and Home Alone Two, 
and Congo all hit within about a four-year period where I can't, like, I can't do or hear, uh, and Hexus, fucking Hexus from Ferngully, where I can't hear the Tim Curry voice and not go, oh, yeah, no, no, that, that's Tim Curry. That is a that is a 100% Tim Curry. All right, so now I get my follow-up. Zoot, here's my question. Mm-hmm. If he is the devil in your brain, every time you see Tim Curry, do you just, it, like, is the voice just like, it's the devil? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I... It's like I, I is it I mean, is it impossible to separate the original like awesomeness versus all of his characters into the future? Or is well, it just I mean, like is it a longing like, yeah, he was amazing and he's always amazing? It, I mean, there's definitely an appreciation for him from there moving forward, but it's also like he was just so badass in this movie that every movie I see after this, I'm like, you know, he's like a you know, works at a hotel. And I'm like, how how did he fall so low from being darkness? Right. But I would just sit there and be like, every time I saw him, I'd do that, like, um, oh, who is it? It's uh, the DiCaprio, like, this face, like, it's the devil. It's the devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am going... Even though he's not the devil in this, that's the devil. That's the yep. devil there, guys. I am going to the one place capitalism cannot give me. Space! <laughs> I fucking... Listen... Command and Conquer, where he does that, and you can see in his eyes how hard he is fighting back the tears not to laugh at his own dialogue. I'm going to the one place capitalism cannot get to me. (laughs) Heavy breathing. Space! (laughs) It's so good. It is so good. Much like how hard we are all now ourselves trying to hold back our tears from laughter. So, (laughs) Tim Curry is a genuine treasure. Tim, if you ever listen to this, fucking you rule, dude. You do, Tim. Way to go, Tim We love you. We love you, Tim. If you haven't realized, our five pod listeners, we love Tim Curry. Yes. Love him. Yes. All right. So, getting back to the plot. Oh, yeah. You think it would not take that long to talk about the plot for this movie? I, I was having more fun talking about Tim Curry, but yeah, let's finish it. I'm it. very wait, happy to wait. pause and talk about my love for Tim Curry at any Hold on. point. No, no, we have to keep this going. Movie no has a plot? We have to keep going. Yes. Oh, so, okay. Well, moving on. Lily, having hung out in Darkness's castle, uh, has had a dance with a dress and gets the villain girlfriend makeup upgrade. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah, she she now becomes the goth girlfriend that basically influences us to this day. Final original form. goth girlfriend? Original goth girlfriend, I think. Final form for Lily. She is now the goth teenage uh, girlfriend in the movie. Uh, so Darkness tries to seduce her. Uh, she, at we as the audience do not realize she is playing along with it and says, yes, I will be goth girlfriend if you let me kill the unicorn the the final mayor that they have captured uh which unfortunately gump and the and jack overhear so now there's this thought of we have to kill lily to save the unicorn but they also overhear the fact that darkness says for the third time in the film that sunlight hurts him <laughs> So they set up the most Zelda puzzle possible 
where they're going to reflect light from outside the cave across somewhere between, let's call it eight and 16 giant mirror reflective plates that they have in just, the castle. Just reasons. happen to be there. Just hanging out. Well, uh, much like in Clash of the Titans. Yep. You're going you're gonna to reflect that light and just nail the bad guy with it because that's, yep. that's how they're going to go. It's lights science. their weakness. Yep. yep. This is this is the biggest Three Stooges part of the movie because you're just throwing discs at each other to go stack up later. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this. Okay. There's so, so many of those Captain America shields. Where did this all come from? Somewhere what? in the kitchen? Apparently the Somewhere devil in the writer's has, room. The devil has a lot of serving. <laughs> Wait, that's uh, 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 yeah, that's a uh, painfully accurate there, Zoot. <clears throat> it was yep. somewhere in the writer's room. Well, you bring the hors d'oeuvres out, on. Somebody's over in the corner just writing out, you know, work orders for giant silver platter, giant silver platter, giant silver platter. They just appear out of thin air and stack up in the corner. And so, literally. But like catering, if you take any of these platters, we'll fucking kill you. Ridley needs them. He's got a vision. Craft services, so, we need this for the film. The ritual begins, and there's a tense moment where is Lily going to kill the unicorn? And Jack, Jack decides, despite the fact he's got her in his sights with the bow and arrow, he's going to take her down. He trusts her, and Lily frees the mare gets knocked out by darkness and then they relay the light just like we have described to finally hit the darkness with the light. Jack fights the darkness briefly, wounds him with the severed alicorn, which again is the horn the unicorns have because that's we call it an alicorn. I don't know. Um, uh, which he pulls out of a pool just like Kroll has to pull the glaive out of a pool. Another, another Kroll. Is mm-hmm. it weird? Okay, okay. When you watch that, did anybody else think the pool was lava? Because I thought it was I, I, lava. I, I, well, it's I thought super it was hot. Lava. It like looked like lava. It's on fire. fire. Both times. Both times. Yeah. It's on fire. And it's orange. And You're movie. like, that's oh, lava. He's gonna lose his hand, but he doesn't. I also I like how water. I also like how everyone was like, yeah, we can just shoot the fucking devil in the neck with a bunch of arrows and then like does nothing. He's just walking around for the rest of the movie with all the arrows sticking out of his neck. Like, hey, dipshits, I'm the devil. You're not going to kill me with a bunch of human arrows. That was cool. The arrows sticking out. That was cool. I like that part because they they thought they were just going to chop him down and just the rest of the movie sticking out of him. Like, yeah, you're an idiot. Here's a serious question. Why didn't Frankie Munoz ask him a riddle because if he didn't get the riddle right which he most certainly would have wouldn't have because that was not particularly bright in this movie he tries to betwixt mia sarah's lily by like eat you must be hungry i like how he offers her a cup of wine essentially the size of a bowling ball (laughs) yeah never like like you know maybe someone loses their appetite when a hoofed man appears from a mirror Listen, I don't know about you, but when a hoof man appears out of a mirror, I'm like, kind of hungry. I could go for some chicken wings. Maybe That's a bowling the- ball sized glass of wine. That does make sense for you, though. Does. That's when the party starts. <clears throat> and dance with the devil. Ultimately, the sunlight blasts the darkness to the edge of a void where he warns Jack, as long as there is darkness in the heart of humans, 
as long as there is good, there is always evil, and he cannot truly be killed. Jack hesitates for a moment before ultimately slicing off his hand and kicking him into the void. So it is over. They reunite the alicorn with the downed stallion. The unicorns come back. The light comes up. Everything is fine. But we also get this really weird at the end, like fade in of the devil of the darkness laughing. (laughs) End of the movie. Is this supposed to be a sequel? This is a... I don't know. I don't think so. Or, sorry, was this supposed to have a sequel? No, I don't. I don't no, no. It, it, I think it, it's it's a discussion of the fact that there is a duality to all humans. That there's always two sides to us. That there's but light and darkness. But let's not go that. Deep. There is. There is. Apparently, no, the Legend of Zelda I, series was a sequel, from what you guys yeah. have said. So no, no, I, they took of... inspiration. Maybe like there's things in here that. The mirror fantasy, is yes, big, is a big well, but, same genre. Uh, it's also yeah. very generic fantasy schlock, so let's not get too hung up on it, right? Uh, no. Yeah, that's fair. What exactly. I'm saying is there is there's zero coherent theme or message to this movie. It is a beautiful, hollow, empty shell that Tim Curry thankfully saves in the eleventh hour because Tom sort Cruise of. is doing his best God. to make you want to vomit in your mouth. Tom Cruise is doing his best to look like an absolute jackass. <laughs> Can you just sucks. jam a unicorn well, back onto his Jack. head? Is that how it works? His name is no, Jack. No, that's so that not works. how it would work. The uh, unicorn would die slowly, like a rhinoceros dies slowly when some asshole cuts off its horn. This makes no sense. How <laughs> the fuck do you know that? It's, it's well, a unicorn. Off. It's a unicorn. There are unicorn uh, rules for that. Yeah, uh, what sorry, are your Thunder's unicorn rules here, Cash? Yeah, yeah. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Do you have a degree in unicornology? I don't think so. Well, I can tell you this. You don't the, know that. The dipshit goblin was more effective with the horn than the unicorn was, so maybe he should just be the bearer of the unicorn horn because all of a sudden he turned into a wizard. So yeah, wait I'm, a saying, I'm just it's, saying Blick should be running the show. You hey, get the so, unicorn hey, horn, you get wizard powers. Why didn't fucking devil use that at all? He's a coward. Because he, he was horny. Because Kroll, that's why. Because in Kroll, they get the <laughs> ultimate weapon and they don't use it for the entire fucking movie. The answer is, if you've already got two, three foot tall yeah. fiberglass horns, you're like, what, what? what is this spirally thing that's like somewhere between 12 and 10 inches? Garbage. That's what it is. The only thing that apparently gets you is the ability to skeeve out Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. Which I mean, and I, and I, and I can do that. With and Jean Claude Van Damme's girlfriend. Who's <laughs> yeah, seen cop. Time Cop? You know this. This I'm hey, gonna. No one talks shit about back. Time Cop on this pod. I'm not talking shit about Time Cop. I love Time Cop. I'm gonna bring this way back because the reason Mia Sarah doesn't give a shit that she ruined the unicorns is because she's married to a time traveling cop. Who would just go back in time and prevent her from touching the Takes unicorn? Yeah. That's oh. sound logic. You can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. We have fixed hey, the hey. movie, everyone. We have skipped Captain Cash's second part of this. We have fixed the movie. Let's move on. <laughs> Do not touch the unicorn. If she, if she travels it. back in time to prevent that from happening and John claude Van Damme shows up and kicks Tom Cruise in his weird middle tooth and just knocks his ass out, boom, that's a movie. That's, that is a better version of this movie. Who wins? Tom Cruise's little weird ponytail in the back or Jean-Claude's uh, mullet from Time Oh, Cup? dude, that's not even a question. No, the no, mullet, 100%. Mullet. mullet. That's across the board. Don't ask this. Does Tom Cruise do any splits in his underwear? 
That's nope. the real question. Nope. I mean, nope. maybe the even a extended, extended director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> How many beers do you need to enjoy this movie? Let, let's give it to Zoot. <laughs> it's different um, than you thought, right? You watched it again. You're you like, know, you know, back when I watched this movie, it was pre-beer drinking days. And, and uh, you know, I don't know why I liked it so much as a kid. Because, yeah, it, it's slow. Um I think maybe I just enjoy the fantasy realm so much. And then of course, Tim Curry uh, kicking ass at the end, but um, how would, how do we do this rating again with the beers? The more beers you Six. need is bad. The movie is. Yeah. Or I Six. mean like th- there's, there's flexibility and it's six and it rules to have six beers. And wow! right. But I don't okay, feel like that's so, what we're doing here. So here, here's the thing we have enjoyment beers. I mean, we modified this last week, so okay. you can give it enjoyment beers. You can give it, uh, pain beers, or you can give it boredom beers. So, how many, how many of those three do you need to make it through a movie? Six. Mo- move it through this. Make it through this movie. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, for the for the first three quarters of this movie, I could probably go through a six pack because I gotta do <laughs> I gotta do something while I'm waiting for the actual movie to begin. But uh, then the last section of the movie, uh, as soon as Tim Curry shows up. I'm probably not even drinking a beer because I'm just enjoying the show. So he's a solid. What is that? Would be six board beers, right? Six board, board beers and yeah, and maybe one victory beer because I'm just like, yes, there's the ending I wanted. <laughs> Jimmy, I like it. I mean, that's a good rating. All right, <laughs> let's let's kick it to the thunderous wizard. Oh, three boredom beers for sure. The uh, I mean, I watched the director's cut, which is quite a bit longer. It's about an hour and 52 minutes. Yeah, I think it's like 20 minutes longer. Uh, I'm not sure what it added to the movie aside from the score, of course, which is, I think that's an important thing because the guy worked hard to do that. And they just cut it out of the movie. Yeah, we didn't um, get to that yet. Uh, but yeah, three boredom beers because Tom Cruise is really bad in this. Like, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, like saying he makes me want to throw up in my mouth, but it's one of the worst like early career performances I've ever seen. And I love Tom Cruise, like Tom Cruise. I'm a Tom Cruise guy. I ignore all the Scientology stuff. I love Tom Cruise. Here's the reality. Tom Cruise has a face that says, I know what cocaine tastes like. And I know how a combustion engine works, which is completely antithetical to what you need in a fantasy film. Yeah, he he was he was woefully miscast. Um, But then you get to Curry and you have your one really big, supreme, tall boy enjoyment beer because that's what I remembered this movie for. That and the, uh, the, the Lady of the Lake, like those are the scenes that stuck with me from childhood. Like those scenes are still cool and there's good things about them. But the rest of the movie is just a slog. It's just them meandering. Like there's nothing to this movie at all. It's very bizarre. So three boredom, one and one giant enjoyment beer for tim curry hip hip hooray over to merrick cheese i actually have to go back to last week and amend my curl and bring it down to four because after watching this i think it's the same i think it's four this movie i I only watched the theatrical cut because i couldn't get the director's cut so the first hour is three boredom beers because like it is all over the fucking place there's nothing happening there's nothing to like pay attention to it I mean, essentially, it sucks a lot. And then the last 30 minutes, once Curry shows up in full devil mode, I don't 
like I didn't want to drink because I was so intrigued by the rest of the movie. I think that's where the fan lore comes from is that last 30 minutes. And like, if they would have done the whole movie that way, it would have been an entirely different movie, but I'm going to give him four, three boredom and one, I would almost go two enjoyment beers for that last 30 minutes because Tim Curry just fucking crushes it. And Chumpy. As much as I love Tim Curry, I'm going to give this five pain beers. Um, I did watch the director's cut, which has the orchestral soundtrack, which is one of the big differences between the theatrical release, which has the Tangerine Dream uh, soundtrack. Um, and you get, I think you get some extended scenes with the goblins. I think that's one of the big ones for this director's cut. Yes. I, I think, yeah. But yeah, Tim Curry's good. He's good. But honestly, his villain doesn't do enough aside from trying to seduce uh, Mia Sarah's character. And just, uh, yeah, I just don't have that nostalgia tug uh, to redeem this movie, in my opinion. So again, five pain beers. It's, it's worse than Kroll. Kroll was more ambitious and more coherent. I'm not saying Kroll looked as good, but it tried harder. This movie just seemed super lazy. And I will, I want to chime in here as a big hater of Kroll. I would have rather rewatch Kroll than to watch this again. Yeah, I, I would love it. Cheese. I would love it at the end of this that someone counts how many times the word Kroll was said during this podcast. Uh, enough to Murder make you realize speed. that this movie kind of sucked. I think Kroll. I've heard the word Kroll more than I've heard the word legend on this Kroll podcast. Kroll has bought, has like literally purchased a planet-sized portion of property in all of our collective psyches. That's how badass Kroll is. Zoot, Zoot, have you seen Kroll? Go watch Kroll. You know what? I have not seen Kroll. Holy it's, shit, it's, you have to watch Kroll. I know, I know. I've I've seen enough to know I should watch it, but I just unless it just shows up free in front of me, I don't know if it I is. Make the it's effort. free. It's free on Pluto TV. Oh god, don't. And, and I will pay Zoot, I will pay the four dollars. I'll Venmo you to four dollars to get it on Amazon. Do don't do it on Pluto. It looks like absolute trash. It, okay. It's kind of garbage. But the point is, it's basically a bad He-Man movie. I Watch know, it. and that's what I've seen of it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go there. It's like, you, oh, what yes, you want to do there. is like Flash the next, Gordon He-Man. The next yes. time you're hanging out with your buddies and you're like, we should watch a shit movie. Watch Curl because you're going to sit there and drink beer and make fun of it. It's not a good movie, but at the same time, it's better than this movie. Wait a minute. Flash Gordon He-Man, that's just He-Man. <laughs> no, but those are different movies. I mean, okay. Flash Gordon. I was trying All to right. get more than one Masters of the point. Universe. Yeah. Listen, no. I, for, for me, this movie, as far as beers go, it, it comes down to how much do you need to dumb yourself down? What, what's your tolerance for either beer or fantasy? Because, All the way. Yeah. If, if you need to ask questions about why things are happening, drink, which to me puts it at about a four. Four beers, and you're like, yeah, I'll just accept what. Oh, they're gonna fight. They're gonna fight a crazy witch monster in the the swamp. Yeah, all right, why not? Okay, cool. Captain That's Cash is, movie. <clears throat> Captain Cash has a point here. This is not so much a four beer movie as in you should drink four beers while you watch it. No, you should drink four beers then watch this movie. Because after four beers, this movie will probably almost, maybe, kind of make sense. Yep. It is strange how nostalgia works, though. Like I yep. have a, a fond feelings of this film from my childhood, and 
you will let a lot go when you watch it again just because like no 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 <laughs> this i feel like this movie sucks but my childhood says no this was awesome nope. stick with that feeling that was a good feeling you had back then don't let it go I'm don't fight you, it don't I'm fight gonna, it i'm gonna ask you a quick question here you ever seen a little movie called dante's peak <laughs> oh, i see dante's peak <laughs> ah, that is oh my, my god fucking movie. Oh, Bram on the acid lake. Bram on the this, acid lake. The only thing anyone remembers about this film is the exquisite makeup and acting of Tim Curry. That's it. That is it. You you could take a poll and go, hey, you you seen Legend? And let's say you get everybody who says yes. 90% of them will remember that Tim Curry is in this movie. 10 will remember that Tom Cruise is involved in some level. But And those 10 will be like, is that the one where Tom Cruise is acting like a dipshit? <laughs> they <laughs> just grit him with his so weird face and his dumb outfits. All <laughs> right. So we're going to jump back into what makes this movie work and a handful of other questions. But first, let's hear from our brothers in beer, over at Hop Nation USA. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking 1985 or 6, depending on where you live, legend. The big question now is... Did it deserve to flop? I'm going to toss it to Mary McCheese. Did this deserve to flop? Yeah. I mean, for an hour and a half movie, the one I watched, I'm sure the theatrical is longer. You can't have just half an hour of the movie be good. You got to have the whole movie be good. That That is fair. Um, I'm going to give it to Chumzilla. Yes, this movie did deserve to flop because the plot is terrible. The best part of the movie is the villain who doesn't show up until like two thirds of the way into the movie. I mean, yeah, he appears earlier, depending on the cut that you see, but his impact is not felt until the last third of the movie. And by then it's too late. It's not great. Yeah. It just, the movie was basically meandering and plotless and the villain, which was great because of Tim Curry was just not enough to save it. Zoot. I hate to say it, but yeah, it deserved the flop. I, um, I think my love of the movie was partly because of just the genre. I just love the fantasy of it, but uh, yeah, they could have done so much more with that. Uh, obviously, like everyone else says, Tim Curry saved the whole movie from just disappearing into existence. Um, yeah, but... and the tough thing here, and as I don't want to cut you off, you see, you see some movies when you're super young and you just you love them, and then you rewatch them oddly enough when you're in your 30s to 40s and you're like oh huh <laughs> and, and, and that, that is one of these movies and it's the same thing as we were discussing earlier my love of dante speak like the movie sucks but like i saw it early enough in my life i was like i love that movie and it's terrible this is definitely better yeah, yeah. i had the same experience uh mary choose 
you know, Platoon, for example. I watched that tons as a kid. And as an adult, it just makes me feel sad and depressed. Hold on, that explains a lot, right? Oscar nominated like best picture movie. (laughs) No, that it 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 won best picture. And also, why are you watching Platoon as a kid? I I don't know. I I had a rough rough childhood. I didn't watch, (laughs) I did not watch Legend as a kid. I watched Platoon. I'm the fuck were your parents doing? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Over to the Thunderous Wizard. What could have saved this film? Well, I'm doing this just for Zoot. If, like Kroll, there was actual, like, things to this universe outside of its very thin plot points, then you could have made a very cool fantasy epic, but this movie is absolutely empty, except for Tim Curry at the end. Otherwise, it's just bland, rote, derivative garbage. That's, I mean, it needed ideas desperately. It's so freaking boring. More than glitters and bubble. Zools, bubbles. Oh, and one more thing. Listen, if you're Ridley Scott and you're spending the mid 80s just at every strip club, hip deep in blow, you're like, you know what this thing needs? Glitter and bubbles. Oh, yeah, glitter and bubbles. I do find it entertaining that coming out of uh, Blade Runner you know, and Alien before that, that we get this from Ridley Scott and Tony Scott's like, hold on, let me try something less crazy. Let's go with Top Gun. And maybe for Ridley Scott, one of the things is like, you got that upward trajectory and then you just absolutely shoot the moon and then realize you got to come back down and be level-headed and then you continue on your career making great movies. You could fair. Oh, totally kids fair. too, though, at some, at this point. Yeah. There. All right. And let's so- not forget there is a legend poster on the wall in Mallrats, which we referenced on the Mallrats pod. That is truth. So my next question is this the best on-screen devil ever? I'll start if you don't mind. I, I believe it's probably Harvey Keitel from Little Nicky, but this is a close second. <laughs> now, I, and I'll say that it seems like a lot of uh, devils portrayed in cinema are just human-looking. Um, one of my favorites being uh, the one in Constantine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, That's a hard agree. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like a devil looking devil, I don't even I I can't even think of anything to compare. Think to of another like, one. It's wild. I, I, mean, mean, I mean, it's just this is like perfection. I just I love everything about the look of this devil. The only one, the only one I can slightly compare it to is Chernabog, which is not even really the devil from Fantasia. Mm. No, I mean, I'm with Zoot. It's. It's Constantine in this. You know I mean? <laughs> oh, I right. you get anything better than that? I'm going to say that the the devil in this film, or the darkness, the Lord of Darkness, whatever you want to call it, that get up, the makeup they give Tim Curry in this is iconic, and people know it. Again, they don't know this movie, but they know that that image. They know that that uh, <clears throat> uh, setup and makeup. But probably the most accurate portrayal of like the manifestation of evil incarnate on earth that I've ever seen. It's probably in Fahrenheit 9-11, uh, Dick Cheney. 
Um, oh, <laughs> went political. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was just, you know, that guy is, uh, he's one of the great bastards of history. And uh, I wasn't around, you know, to see some of the, the, the guys in the past that were probably even worse or equally as bad. But yeah, Dick Cheney. Yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty big devil. Um, <laughs> and accurately portrayed in film. I think that's pretty much what he looks like in real life. So um, yeah, anyway, moving nine, on. 11. Yeah. Just to uh, lighten the mood, in all seriousness, I guess, like, you know, in honor of the late Dick Donner, I would say Damien the Omen Child is a great representation of, he's the devil's son, but the yep. Omen is one of the great movies, I think. Uh, totally counts. You know, because it's very disarming that it's a child. Uh, that's just a great movie. And I'm going to have a Dick Donner recommendation as well, but that would be, I think, one of the ones I think that has been better done on screen. All right. Solid, solid, solid. So, here's where the teeth of it come. Is the director's cut superior to the theatrical cut? The main difference being 20 minutes and a synth or orchestra score. Most key, I want to give this to Zoot and the Thunderous Wizard, who have both seen both versions. Let's start with Zoot or Visitor's Team. Go. I will say the director's cut is better. Um, there were scenes that I remember from the, the theatrical cut that felt rushed or didn't make sense. And it, it, it is 20 minutes longer, but it's so spaced out where those 20 minutes are added that all those little pieces, I think, helped a lot of things. Um, they painted a better picture of the characters. Um, as far as the soundtrack... That's a tough one because, again, nostalgia. I grew up with the um, Tangerine Dream soundtrack. That's all I ever knew. Um, to, I, today is the first day I've ever watched the director's cut and heard that soundtrack. And I will say it's been a while since I've seen the theatrical, so it wasn't fresh in my mind. But watching this kind of without that kind of right there on my mind, um, I enjoyed this soundtrack better. And it felt uh, more true to the, to the film. And I mean, it's it, the, the synth of the eighties one um, theatrical. And I think that maybe was part of like the fun nostalgia of it. Cause it was like super cheesy in that way uh, where I, this actually made it feel a little more like, like a little grander. I do like that. The synth sort of puts it in its time. Yes, it did. When you did. watch it with the synth, you're like, oh, this is clearly like a 1980s film. Oh, big time. And that maybe that's, I'm sure that's part of why I liked it, you know, growing up too. So, yeah. But as an adult watching it now, I'm like, okay, was it uh, Jerry, uh, um, who's a composer? Gold, Jerry Gold, Goldsmith. Goldsmith, yeah. thank you. Um, like, I'm a fan of his work anyway. And, and, I know I I read something that he was very proud of the soundtrack. So I mean, from him to say that as well, it's like okay. And I so I went and watching it. And I'm like, okay, this you can tell this was actually composed for the movie, and like beats were hitting in the music to go with the picture. And yep. you're watching like the uh, theatrical cut, and their music just kind of like blankets the scene. It's not really referencing specific things going on per scene. Mm. It's just. Uh, here it is. We we need to quick crank this out, and there you go. <laughs> it's uh, D Dubs. Yeah, it's interesting because like I've noticed like if 
a, a big divide on the internet. A, a lot of people are more pro theatrical cut because that's what they remember. But the movie is a lot less sensical. You get more Tim Curry in the director's cut. You get a much more fleshed out and a menacing scene where he's attempting to get her to give in to temptation. The Jerry Goldsmith score, of course, fits way better with the movie. But the movie is kind of schlock. So I, the only thing I feel it's missing is the song at the end with the unicorn. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I miss about the, about the theatrical cut, honestly. All right. So do you all remember the, I, I don't know where it came from, but the always I want to be with you and make believe with you the, and live in harmony, harmony. Like that music video, is this the movie? You remember like Robot Chicken and Adult Swim had that weird attack on Robot Unicorn, whatever, that played mm. that song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that is this yep. song, the movie. Yeah. All right. We're going to do a couple of quick round the horn questions. Who's better for Lily, Jack or the darkness? Zoot, who, who you want to see her with? <laughs> Oh man. Um, I think she needs to be with somebody who never appeared in the film. I don't think either options are very good. And I think she, she needs to stop wandering into the woods and find this little, uh, Jacko the green and, uh, actually find someone a little more suited for her. Fair enough. Mary McCheese. Who's uh, the better choice? Fair Steeler. I ultimately that's probably correct. Jumpzilla. <laughs> Sorry. It's it, it, fairly simple. I mean, I'd love to see her with Tim Curry's The Devil. I do not want to see her with Tom Cruise's goofball, non-tooth lining up person. So, Ferris Bueller. Got something with his teeth there, don't you? The teeth look... Very specific. The first scene in the movie, he looks like he's wearing fake teeth, and from there on out, I can't stop focusing on it. I'm sorry. That's all right. Weird middle tooth. At least those teeth weren't in the movie Crawl. Well, did you see the monster at the end? No, I haven't seen the movie. Mm. Each of the the five points on the glaive is just Tom Cruise's teeth. <laughs> Bring it back to crawl. It's come back to crawl. All this, this whole fight right. is coming back to crawl. Secondary question. Which is worse for the film? Tom Cruise's lack of an accent where literally everybody else has a British Isles accent or... Kevin Costner's complete lack of an accent where literally everybody else has a British Isles accent. You're talking about Prince of Thieves. I am talking about Prince of oh, Thieves. Oh my God. You cannot. No. Damn you nostalgia. You, I, I, I freaking say, love that movie in my youth. Well, no, that, 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 that's, wait, hold on. That's the Brian Adams movie. Oh, it is. totally. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. And, that, wasn't uh, Kevin Costner. that hit me Brian at Adams. the right age, man. I, I bought that movie on vhs dvd blu-ray i just keep buying it just i I have love that i have been i have been to the sycamore gap where Mm. that's what it's called on hadrian's wall where they're walking and he jumps up and grabs mistletoe uh many a maid lost it whatever to (laughs) me so no it never bothered me with that so i'll say uh this bothered me more okay fair enough so my thoughts on that are it's more distracting in the Kevin Costner film to, to watch Robin Hood just n- not have an English accent when 
literally everybody else does. But Prince of Thieves is a better movie by a wide margin. Oh, so, yes. Oh, yeah. So I don't notice. Yeah. I've definitely like, watched that one many more times than I've watched Legend through the years. Yeah. Here's I the- mean, and plus, listen, ooh, here, here might be the better question. In a shitty film where the lead actor refused to use the appropriate accent, Tim Curry or Alan Rickman? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's the longest silence I've heard in this podcast. We're really thinking this one that's through. It's, it's really brutal, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're both pretty great. Those are two awesome wait, villains. Wait. What accent were you expecting out of Tim Curry in this case? No, no, no. I, no not that Tim Curry had the accent. That Tom Cruise and Kevin Costner just rolled with their American accents, where everybody else was English or British Isles. Uh, and and you've got Tim Curry as the darkness, or you've got uh, the sheriff Nottingham as played oh, by uh, uh, Alan Rickman. Uh, thank you, play, Rickman playing playing their opposite numbers. Yeah. yeah uh, so so who who's the the more villainous villain, or who who do you like on the villain side, Tim well, Curry or Alan Rickman? Because here's the thing, as as I. In my heart of hearts, I'm going to give it to Rickman because he gives a much better and more um, voluminous uh, performance in Prince of Thieves and Robin Hood. Because that's a big, that's a big, hot out with a spoon, a rusted spoon. He has, he has a bigger performance, um, but I don't think that's that's not Rickman's like uh, signature performance. He's done better and and more interesting things. Not that was bad. Exactly, and and Harry Potter. Um, I, I think Tim Curry's done a lot of things too, but I just from like an icon, like just from a, a visual and zeitgeist cultural perspective. I don't. It's hard to top the giant, like like you know, like three and a half foot horns off of his head. That's a that, that's an iconic performance uh, out of Tim Curry. Not a lot of actors have that in their repertoire that they've got something that just like is instantly, instantly recognizable. Again, you don't have to have seen legend, but you see that. And like, Oh yeah, that's that. I've seen that before. That's that devil, that giant, giant devil. Uh, sadly for Tim Curry, you know, they, they probably, most folks don't realize that it's Tim Curry, but yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to him as far as those two performances go. Sorry. Yeah. Continue uh, no. on. Yeah, no, I'd go Curry. Because it's not Rickman's defining performance. I, I guess this movie isn't Curry's either, but it's what everybody knows this movie for. And uh, it's a big one, though. It, it's an iconic role, yeah. just from a visual standpoint. I will say, on the real, like by by that point in Kevin Costner's career, everybody knew he wasn't doing accents, so it's not at all jarring to see Kevin Costner play Kevin Costner. That's all he ever plays. Yeah. Uh, so. Like it doesn't bother me. It's like if you hire Kevin Costner, he's going to be Kevin Costner. No one was shocked by that. Yeah. Well, and Morgan barely does an accent. He he basically affects an accent in that movie too. Right. Yes. We're gonna take a quick break and let you hear from our friends over at the Double Turn Podcast. When we come back, we're gonna do our trivia challenge. Stay tuned. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are going to be doing the Is Your Love Strong Enough Challenge. Here, we're going to be talking some trivia about 1986 or 5, depending on where you live, legend. And for those of you who take home that W, you are going to win Darkness's Cloven Hoof Penis. It wasn't shown on screen, but is that, it's... Whoa. What? Is that the penis uh, Danny McBride wears around his neck and your highness? <laughs> exactly. Exactly correct. That's what you're going to get. So, the chime-in for Is Your Love Strong Enough? We will accept in no sense. In that cadence, or as is standard, we'll accept farts and tarts. So, number one, Wait, what was the first thing you said? Innocent. Okay. Innocent. But, you know, curry it up a little. Okay. Shimmy. Shimmy your shoulders and go, innocent. Show me what you're working with. Yeah. All right. So, number one, what was Jack's armor made from? Is it? Yeah. Is it A? Pop and beer tabs. Is it B, leftover wardrobe pieces from the James Bond film where they actually filmed this thing until it burned down? Uh, is it C, flattened bottle caps, or is it D, machine pressed pennies? You know shit. Oh, we're getting rid of the zoot. I'm gonna go with the pennies. Oh, that is incorrect. Thank you much for trying. Anybody else? Farts uh, and tarts. Give me my remaining answers. Chumpzilla. Your remaining answers are pop and beer can tabs, leftover wardrobe pieces from the, the James Bond film where this was filmed and the set burned down, or flattened bottle caps. I'm going to go with the James Bond answer. Final answer. That, that is incorrect. Cocking balls. Leaving Ooh. two. Leaving bottle caps or what? It's pop or beer can tabs or flattened bottle caps. I'm going to shoot my unicorn horn. <laughs> All right. Over, over to the thunderous wizard. Uh, flattened uh, tabs. The, uh, so... I think that it's flattened bottle caps or tabs. Flattened bottle yeah, caps. So flat bottle flattened caps. bottle caps is actually correct. Congratulations, yeah. Thunderous Wizard. They literally just took bottle cans and or bottle top caps and flattened them. If you look at the the armor that Jack wears, it is very clearly that. It's it's kind of funny. All right, number two. Which rock legend was the face of the Goblin Blix? designed after was it a keith richards was it b mick jagger 
Was it C, Meatloaf, or was it D, Gene Simmons? How does she? Turns farts. Ooh, uh, that goes to Mary McCheese. I'm only saying Meatloaf because I will do anything for love. It's probably not the right answer, but I'm okay with it. But you, but you won't win this one. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right. Next up. In a sense. In no sense. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that kid's was. <laughs> yes. Oh. In a sense. Over in to Chum. Yeah, Over to Chumzilla. I'm going to shoot, but in a sense, uh, I think it's Keith Richards. It is indeed Keith Richards. Yeah. Keith Richards was the face of Blix, which now oh. like go back and watch it. You can't not notice it is. Uh, it, it, it is absolutely it, it, Keith Richards. He, he was, exaggerated, but yeah, he yeah, was the it. face of Blix, and then he became the actual face of Blix. <laughs> like that's, it's that's a real What he is now. So. The band can't be killed. Self-fulfilled prophecy. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. What animal sounds were used for the unicorns? Actual sounds. Was it A, orcas? Was it B, humpback whales? Was it C, bottlenose dolphins? Or was it D, Frank Welker in a trash can? I'm going to shoot. I'm going to give it to Merrick Cheese. A. It was not orcas. Damn it. It's a good try. Uh, uh, farts and tarts. I will toss it to the thunderous wizard. I'm going with humpback whales. That is correct. Whale songs. The Big Lebowski approves. Hey, that's basically the same as an orca. So, like, I should get a half point. It mm-hmm. is not. It is not at all. They're like the same animal. It of. is absolutely not even close. Like humpback whale and orca. Yeah, yeah. They, they are like wildly the different. They both yeah. live in the ocean. Sure. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you're not a golfer. I can tell you, you this. Get at least uh, a quarter of a point because they're in the ocean. I can tell you this: that humpback whales are not arsonists like orcas are. So. That's oh, a big difference. Oh, this yeah, yeah, back to a year ago. Go back. Go back to the time when an orca definitely lit stuff on fire. I will All right. avenge my wife. And child. And child. And she bit off Bridget Fonda's leg. Uh, he, it was, it but was, yes. It was Bo Derek. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were all I wrong mean, there. It was all over the place. All right. Number four. All right. <laughs> we, which of these actors was not considered for the role of Jack? Hmm. Was it A, Jim Carrey? Was it B, Matthew Broderick? Was it C, Johnny Depp? Or was it D, RDJ? In Oh, in no sense. I definitely say uh, Jim Carrey. That is incorrect. Really? Dude. He was considered. He and, was considered in 1983 Six. or whatever they yeah were, four they were. yeah when they shot he, it no nope. he wasn't even a blip on the radar back then no nope. he was considered no sense give me over my to answers, Captain Cash Jumpzilla give me my answers your choices at this point Matthew Broderick yep. Johnny Depp or yep. RDJ which was not considered I believe it is Broderick. That is correct. It was Broderick. Boom. 
I, I, need, yeah, I need to see. I need to see evidence about this whole Jim Carrey thing. Doesn't matter. The, the, the Jim Carrey thing. I saw that online. It really confused me because he was not a thing. To your point, no, uh, Zoot, not. he was not a thing at that point. Nope. No. Broderick would later show up in a fantasy film called Lady Hawk. Yes, and the thunderous wizard has just been subjecting his children to that because he oh. is a monster. It's it's not that bad. I haven't watched in a while. It's pretty. Is, bad. That, is, that, is that a potential uh, future episode? Yeah, I think it's a Richard I think Donner it made film. money. It's a, it's a Richard. Did it Donner make money? Film. I think it made money. All right, Thunderous Wizard. Did it make money? If it made money, I would be very surprised. Uh, it's fine enough. It's not. A, it's not a Richard Donner classic. We're talking about stretch. Lady Hawk, not Hudson yeah. Hawk, right? No, yeah, no. Lady Hawk. Lady Wait, Hawk. we're totally doing Hudson Hawk at a later date. Number <laughs> oh, yeah. number five. All right. Legend was nominated for an Oscar for Best Hair and Makeup in 1987, but did not win. Which film beat it out? Was it A, The Fly? Was it B, Clan of the Cave Bear? Was it C, Robocop? Or was it D, Mask? Not the mask, but Mask. All right, I'm gonna toss that to the thunderous wizard. I so desperately want this to be the correct answer. I'm going with the Brundle fly. That is correct. Cronenberg for the win. It was in fact the fly, the the Jeff Goldblum opus, the fly, took it home that year. All right. Last question. There is a bonus question on this one, which could tip it either way, depending on how this goes. How tall was Tim Curry in the full Mm. darkness costume, including the stilts and horns? Mm. Was it A, six feet, nine inches? Nice. Was it B, seven feet, three inches? Was it C, seven feet, seven inches, or was it D, a cool eight feet tall? Tarts and farts. It's a cool eight feet. Chumzilla, I'm afraid that is incorrect. It was Damn. not eight feet. Innocence. C. C being seven feet, seven inches. You are yes. incorrect, sir. Dang it. Could I get the other two responses, please? Balls. Your other choices are seven feet, three inches, or six feet, nine inches. Nice. Don't Which is the this. choice? Don't screw uh, this up, T-Dubs. Hearts and tarts. Uh, T-W, what is it? It was the summer of 69. That is incorrect. <laughs> yeah! The default... The correct answer, at his full height with the horns in the stilts, Tim Curry measured seven feet, three inches. Guessed correctly by Mayor McCheese. Mm. Here we go, McCheese. uh, Guessed correctly by no one. McCheese is aiming for... But... I get the pride. What really matters is I get the points here. But how tall is Tim Curry actually? Oh, five foot six. 
Five eleven. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I need to chime in. I'm gonna shoot five foot right. six. Five foot six. Five foot six is incorrect. Over to Chumzilla. Five eleven. That is incorrect. Uh, uh, farts and tarts. Over to uh, the ma- the thunderous wizard. Tim Curry is five foot nine inches tall. That is correct. He is sixty nine inches tall which is nice 69 inches tall super nice that is the thunderous wizard taking the w with four out of the challenge well done congratulations yeah good job. all right we are we are going to do recommendations around the horn and then that is it for this pod so my recommendation this week is going to be about the the netflix film america the motion picture which is a raucously dumb animated movie brought to you by lord and mirror miller rather of about the founding of america that literally involves a werewolf benedict arnold killing most of the founding fathers which include abe lincoln who was not a founding father, but is that is is this like a Song of the South reboot? Yeah, except maybe less racist, but only oh. barely. I, either way, it stars Will Forte as a Blinken, which basically makes it a Clone High reboot. Right. So, so watch so it. I, I was just gonna make that joke. This sounds like it's a it's a Clone High continuation. Fucking love Clone High. Almost, so, watch, yeah. so watch this one. So, so right. what's the streaming service again? Netflix. Netflix, okay. America the Motion Picture. Zoot, what is your recommendation this week? Well, um, in a way to tie it in, I'm gonna go with something else with some more horns. I'm gonna go with a sweet tooth uh show on Netflix. Oh, nice. I've heard oh, good that, things. Is that is that the deer kid? Yes. I, I I've also heard about that. Yeah, it was a good first season. Nice. Let's throw and, it and over. That, and that's a comic-based show, right? You know, I will accept yes or no on that. I, I, th- I think it is. I think it, it anyway, is. So moving on, yes. moving on. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Over to Chumzilla, what's your recommendation this week? Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast. It's the Q Clearance podcast. Uh, it's in its second season. Uh, the Thunderous Wizard and I have talked about this on previous pods because he was a big fan of the, the HBO documentary on this stuff but this this podcast basically followed along the same lines but it's in the second season and it's looking at the continuing to evolve and uh continuing to get more deranged like QAnon conspiracy uh whatnot and uh the guy's name is jake hanrahan he's like an independent journalist and again it's q clearance it's in its second season and get it on like, you know, anywhere you get your finer podcast, where you can find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, blah, 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 all that crap. But check it out because it's pretty interesting because, you know, I don't follow this stuff closely. I'm not on Facebook, but it's interesting to see what's going on out there uh, on the fringes of some of this uh, far right uh, political nonsense. So check it out. Mayor McCheese, what's your recommendation? All right. I am recommending, <laughs> I think I've already sent it to all you guys. An Australian comedian, um, look him up on YouTube or Facebook. His name is Tom Cardy, C-A-R-D-Y. 
And the best song is H-Y-C-Y-B-H and... McCheese, have you checked up your butthole? For my keys? That's where I keep them. Or your dead grandma. <laughs> Get up, butt up. Is it bad that I know that reference? The Thunderous Wizard, what is your recommendation this week? So it's the aforementioned Lady Hawk because uh, the great Dick Donner, Richard Donner, passed away recently. He's the really influential director in my life. And uh, obviously he brought, he made the world believe man could fly. We had him on, uh, we didn't have him on this pod. We, we covered Lethal Weapon 4 on this pod, which is the worst of the Lethal Weapons. But Lethal Weapon is also an incredibly great movie. The Goonies, Richard Donner was the man. Um, it's very unfortunate, but he lived a very healthy and happy life. He died at 91 years old. Lady Hawk, I do it just because this is fantasy month. It's not my favorite Richard Donner movie. It is good. Not great fantasy. Better than this movie. Yeah, it's, for sure. As, uh, as of film. <laughs> and, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying Tim Curry's performance wasn't more iconic than the whole of Lady Hawk. Yes. But as a film... Lady Hawk is actually a movie, and you'll you'll yeah, actually you'll actually be Matthew surprised Broderick. how much better Matthew Broderick is in a fantasy film than Tom Cruise is. Because when I looked at it, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, no way, Matthew Broderick is like, no way, and he's serviceable. He's entertaining as Mouse, the thief, and Rutger Hauer rules, and Michelle Pfeiffer obviously is eternal. So fair. Yeah. Solid cast. Lady I do want to. I do want to know if that is the saddest transition of all time. <laughs> to me, not, talking about shoving things up your butthole, to the thunderous wizard talking about the death of Richard Donner, which is super sad. It's not about shoving things up your butthole. Well, it's hiding them or losing them up your butthole. Yeah. It's finding things. <laughs> looking, up your butthole. looking well, funny, for things. Uh, funny story. I misplaced my legend director's cut. <laughs> And Have you looked up it, your butthole? Yeah. <laughs> Have you it, checked your butthole? <laughs> and then I found it there and I left it there never to be watched again. You did the right thing. Yeah. You did the Got right it. thing. All right. Well, that is it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thank you, Sierra Nevada, for brewing this delicious narwhal. I am going to pass out very shortly. Holy crap, that was powerful. Thank you to the listener for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions for us, give us a ring, leave us a note, whatever you want to do. But finally, next up, we have F9, the yeah, last in our hops and yeah. box office flops, where we just uh, address the fact that the Fast Furious franchise has now become just full-on fantasy. Oh, no, so it's we're going to... It's not based in reality anymore. This is yeah. full-on fantasy. So we are. It's based upon family. It is definitely based upon family. Is it? Is this the one and more... the law and the laws of physics don't exist in the Fast and the Furious. You don't need laws of physics when you have family. You don't, you don't need, need laws physics of physics when going. you got the laws of family. There's is this right. the one where Black Widow shows up? Because I'm still no. waiting for Black Widow to show up. That's the Marvel movie. No, we're going to be doing a lot of Fast 9 next weekend, which is a lot of family talk. A lot of family. Listen, uh, family is really important. And uh, so are Coronas. Nothing's more important than family. So are 10-second cars. So, yeah. It's weird to say that because I I don't have friends. All I have is family. (laughs) 
thunderous wizard lives his life a quarter fan. I've I've already seen it, and I was like giddy <laughs> ecstatic the entire time. Reaching my wife has seen zero of these movies, zero. And I'd be like, oh my god, Hans back. You don't understand. He was killed twice. Hey, spoiler like, alert. <laughs> I don't get the man. Nobody fucking dies in Fast and the Furious. It's crazy. It's great. And then I'd be like, oh my God, this is Jason Statham's mom. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, he was his enemy, but then he became friends with him and he fought on a plane with a baby. And she's like, are, are you like talking about real shit? I'm like, is this yeah. a soap opera? <laughs> like, are you yes, fucking high right this, now? This is literally, Fast and the Furious has become a Mexican soap opera. But regardless, <laughs> he, my wife really loved Fast 9. And it's really not even one of the better ones, so... It's a better than Fast Eight for sure. I mean, there's definitely but, eight other options, so I'm sure. Dude, these movies kick ass. options. I love car scenes. I love cars. They blow some shit up. Three. It is fantastic. So exciting. All right. Well, that is it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sierra Nevada, for brewing this wildly too powerful narwhal that's going to leave me way hungover tomorrow you can find the pod at hops in box office flops we are again are going to be talking fast nine next week thanks for listening leave us a review on itunes